the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one on round one this morning mark warner is here international trade lawyer mark tui advisor to business and political leaders from power group communications and host of the o show it's laura babcock uh can i get a quick sounding out of the three of you because it's hard for me to get an impression on uh how the smoke is affecting people. My voice is all scratchy this morning. I have no idea if that has anything to do with the smoke. But uh, Laura Babcock, how are things looking in Hamilton? Yeah, they're bad. Uh, The weather statement here said the worst air quality in most of our lifetimes. And we remember those poor air quality days back in the day, right? Uh, So my daughter's staying home. She has asthma. I tried to go outside. It smells like a campfire. The sky is orange in Punta Canada. And uh, it's nothing to mess with. We kept our windows open, John, because we're trying to acclimatize to go to Europe in a few weeks. They don't really use AC over there. And uh, I had a sore throat this morning as well. So people need to take it seriously. You know, don't go outside if you don't have to. All right. Mark Warner, are you limiting your time outside um i haven't been outside very much so i haven't been doing that as a uh, intentionally but uh, so i haven't really noticed it so much but i have uh, had the window open more than using the ac and uh, i haven't uh, detected a, a major problem yet i've been more enjoying the beautiful sunsets and sunrises that's uh, yeah, that's kind of the m- most impact I've had. Mark Tui, I could certainly smell it yesterday when I stepped outside this morning. It wasn't all that present, but who knows as the day continues, perhaps. Yeah, it's pretty hazy looking at the uh, city skyline this morning. It wasn't, uh, wasn't much of a sunrise uh, that I could see, but it's not the apocalypse. This no. is not Armageddon. Uh, it would be if you're closer to the event. Like, I grew up in Kamloops, B.C., and when I used to go back to my uh, visit my families, they have forest fires that come right down to the edge of town, and, and it's like standing outside a burning house there for you know days on end. When it gets that bad, it's a real issue. This, I think we're kind of making... It, at least in Toronto, it's something to talk about. It's it's not a real factor. Yeah. I'm well, you know, Mark, I, I, I have to say, we drove through the forest fires in B.C. two years ago, you know, where they were actually dumping water over the highways. And the air in some of those cities we drove through is not dissimilar to what I'm smelling outside in Hamilton. Maybe it's different here because of the winds. But people who have... It's asthma, Hamilton. It's always I'm, smelly there. Yeah, no, yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to... I'm not catastrophizing. I'm listening to what the doctor said on this program an hour ago. And also the weather statement says the worst air quality in our lifetimes in Hamilton. So, you know, look at your weather statements. Don't listen to pundits on the radio, people. Talk to doctors. Go outside and take a breath and make your own decision. All right. Is Hamilton still sweet town? Isn't it steel town? Wasn't that the place where they had that big stack coming into the air and someone's trying to tell me that this is the worst air in Hamilton? Come on. Let's be serious. Well, I'm being serious, Mark. We went through bad weather days when we had the coal plant issues. We went through terrible pollution in Hamilton over the years. This is what the Hamilton weather statement is saying from the weather network. Come on. It sounds like like you got to replace some staff there then because I don't know. There was a big steel stack there. I'm having a hard time taking it seriously. All right. Let's let's keep moving here. Uh, Ford Fest is back. Uh, Mark Tui, let me start with you on this one. This is where the Ford family throws a party. But the timing of this, it's coming just a couple of days before the mayoral election. And also there is a provincial by-election looming. So some people will say it's kind of meddling. Uh, some people always say that. This is something that you, you like them or, or you hate them. But this is something the Ford family has done going back to uh, Doug Ford Sr., Doug, the premier's dad. Uh, they've done it just about every year. 
It's also a function of when you can book a space that will fit the thousands of people that will show up, and it has to be a warm day with pretty reliable weather. So you're looking at the summertime. There's a couple of elections this summer. Uh, is it a strategic, uh, political, you know, you know, Machiavellianism? I think probably less than just a function of scheduling. Okay. Mark Warner, there's something a bit like a Southern Ward boss in all of this, but I'm not going to begrudge the family. If they want to give food away, go ahead. You know, there's perks of uh, office and this sort of thing. I mean, John Tory did some favors for candidates for running in the last municipal election. I do recall. <laughs> so people do these sorts of things. In this particular case, the branding is the Ford family, uh, so uh, barbecue or whatever it is. So, um, you know, I, ideally, you'd like to see um, see the premier stay out of it. But uh, none of them ever do, John. So I don't know why we make a big deal out of it. It's the Fords. But I guess that's just what we do when it's the Fords. Yeah, but Laura Babcock, not everybody's giving away food. You know what? There's going to be grinning and gripping, and there's going to be the party, and it's always been a political event, And but it's also a neighborhood event. It's a tradition. Party on Ford Fest. I don't think anyone going there is going to have their opinion change about politics. True. They're probably already in the Ford fold. So the Insurance Bureau of Canada estimates that the average premium on a, a, a you know a vehicle in Ontario, the average premium would be about $1,700. Of that, $125 a year is is to cover theft of vehicles. So, Mark Warner, uh, I don't think you own a car anymore, do you? This uh, this, doesn't, this doesn't affect you perhaps as much. Not at all. There's one of these ones where I watch, like, unless unless the Uber driver's cars are, uh, are, are being stolen, I guess that would be a problem. No, I mean, it's a, uh, it, this is a big issue. Um, it is coming up. It, it obviously adds to insurance costs. There's a there's a, there's a trade angle, John. You know, there's a trade angle and everything because a lot of these cars get cars are, are exported to other countries, sometimes in Africa, and uh, for a resale market, sometimes it's just the parts of the car uh, that are just uh, cannibalized for the catalytic converter or something like that. So it, it's obviously a serious issue. Um, not sure I have any thoughts about what to do about it, it, it but it is a. You know, we do have more anti-theft devices going into cars, and presumably at some point those should kick in and work. Uh, Laura Babcock, in Ontario, we've had a 48.3% spike in auto thefts in the last year. It's being called a crisis of national proportions, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's crazy, and I think a 50% spike in Quebec, and uh, it's costing the insurance industry a ton, which eventually ends up on all of our shoulders. Now, they're going after new high-end vehicles. I happen to have one of those in my driveway, um, but I, I can't help but think, if they're saying in the article, to Mark's point, most of them are being shipped to overseas market sales, so why aren't we watching really carefully those container ships <laughs> that are getting loaded up? I mean, isn't there a way that they can choke this off when it comes to trying to get them off the Canadian, you know, off of our property and into these other markets. It, true. I mean, you'd think, Mark Tui, that in order to get it into a container, you got to go to a port. To get into the port, you got to go past a guard. Actually, you load it in a container in uh, Toronto somewhere in a private lot, and then the container gets shipped and it's manifested as something else. And the volume of shipping out of uh, Canadian ports and into Canadian ports, that's the same way drugs come in, uh, is so massive that, you know, it's almost impossible to check. But right from the source, you know, for 20 years, we haven't really taken auto theft seriously. I had a car stolen in 1998. Even back then, the police didn't bother to show up. You phoned them, they gave you a 
number to put on your insurance report and that was it and these are high value items and they're easy to steal and I understand why police going back decades you know didn't prioritize response to car theft because it was property crime and it was the type of property crime that happened outside the home uh, but you know there's consequences for those decisions and cr criminals aren't stupid they see an easy market where people want to buy Canadian cars and they see an easy source of them you know things are going to happen um, David Johnston, the former Governor General who was tasked to investigate uh, allegations of Chinese meddling in the last two election cycles, was testifying yesterday and uh, expressed some degree of resentment over being characterized as Justin Trudeau's stooge. But Laura Babcock, I'll start with you on this one. There was also what I consider to be uh, a jaw-dropping moment where he admitted that in the timeline of preparing his report, he may not have had all the information he needed. Well, but isn't this the whole point of all of this? I mean, you know, some of us aren't partisan on this. We just want to get to the bottom of what's going on with our democracy. I never thought that this, you know, augmented middle management stall tactic of a rapporteur was going to lead to anything other than more fighting and more concerns about the, you know, our democracy and eroding the public trust in our systems. Let's just get to the public inquiry. And for him to go there and say and get, you know, bristle at the idea that he would have any kind of a conflict. Well, you know what? Conflict is often a perception of conflict. He's friends with the Trudeaus, and he was on the foundation that took a large Chinese donation. So you, you can be the best person in the world, but this was always going to be a public relations disaster. And Trudeau is the one who should let his buddy or whatever their relationship is off the hook here and say, yeah, you can continue with your inquiry, follow that line, give us recommendations, but we're also going to start a public inquiry on this because Canadians trust that as a vehicle to get to the bottom of what's happening to our country. It's not politics, it's our country at stake here. Mark Tui, it just seems it ain't working and I don't know why they keep soldiering on. I mean, maybe they exist in some sort of a bell jar and the Prime Minister and the former GG have no freaking idea that nobody's buying this. It just goes to reinforce the axiom that uh, many of the most successful people in our society are idiots uh, <laughs> because they don't think of the consequences. I, it's it's tough to watch Grandpa Friendly, uh, David Johnson, sort of just absolutely struggle at the idea that someone would question him. And uh, that's the nature of politics. What I'm concerned about most, though, is less the sort of partisan who knew what, when, who's hiding what. I want to know what Canada's doing about this because a... An adult, mature, serious country would actually be reacting to foreign interference and doing something about it. And there's no evidence we've done anything. Mark Warner, your thoughts? Well, I think that you can't separate the who did when, what and where from what are we doing now question. I know that that, that fits into a kind of very Canadian, let's be reasonable mode to sort of dial down the controversy part of it. But it, it does appear, it, you know, we have people whose hands are on the, the steering, steering wheel here and they may not know what they're doing or they may be doing things for wrong reasons. And you can't just say, oh, well, let's, let's look at this in the abstract. I think that's the problem. And I think it is working, John. This is where I disagree with you. I don't okay. like it, but I think it's working. I think that their entire strategy is to reinforce their base. The core 30% or high 20s of Canadians who will vote for the Liberal Party and vote for Justin Trudeau no matter what they do, they're reinforcing that view. That's not changing. Um, and I think that they have a strategy, and I think that's the key. I mean, this is the, when you, if you look at what they're doing, they're executing it, they're reinforcing their base, they're getting lines, and you're getting, I'm noticing just in social media more and more, I see more and more of the Liberal bots or sort of whatever you want to call them 
out defending Johnson's credibility and retweeting the government lines. So I think for their limited purposes, they are they are achieving it. And, uh, you know, until the NDP basically says that they care more about the country than, you know, their seats in Parliament, um, then the gesture doesn't have anything to worry about. It's working for them. Thank you all very much. That's uh, Mark Warner, Laura Babcock, and Mark Tui on round one. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.